Hello, so first I just want to thank you for, for paying £5 every month uh, to support the podcast. I really appreciate uh, you kind of doing that for me. So I'm going to put the money towards good things. You know, I promise to... Uh, hang, hang on, two seconds. Good evening, sir. I'm mm, sorry to interrupt you. Um, have you had a chance to look over our menu? Yeah, hey, uh, how's it going? Yeah, I, I'll just take the premium soda, if that's okay. Just a premium soda, sir? Yeah, yeah, just the, just the premium soda. Thank you. Okay, okay, sir, I'll fetch it for you now. Thank you, yeah, it's great. Yeah, so uh, I've got some, well, I, I feel like I've got some really insightful content for you. Uh, I managed to interview a prison officer who has given a kind of great expose, so to speak, on the prison that they work in. So, uh, two seconds, hang on. Here we are, sir. Your premium soda. Great. Thank you. Nice one. Thank you. Might I ask, sir, what is it that you are doing? Uh, I'm, I'm recording a podcast. Uh, I released one last week. It was called Miscellaneous Soda. Ah, oh, yes, sir. I listened. I listened to the podcast. <laughs> ah. Uh, what, what did you think about it? Well, let me just start by saying I think it's better when it's funny. Uh, the serious stuff is really intense uh, for me. I am a little baby bitch boy. And when you uh, when you uh, wrote stuff that you wrote and you're commenting on it seriously, it could look a bit self-indulgent. Um, if you dropped small bits in about it that were funny, it could work. I recommend making fun of the stuff you've written. Yeah, all right. All right. Uh... You're, clearly, you're clearly quite deeply disturbed. But you manage it through humor and artistic expression. Also, don't use gay as an insult. Even when it's ironic, it doesn't work. Oh, okay, yeah. That was just a... I wasn't really using gay as an insult. It's more like if something is, you know, floral or flamboyant. I don't don't know. We we used to say as kids, and I just haven't really grown out of it. Mm, Okay, a bit childish, sir. Also, I personally hate burping on podcasts. And you, I, I, I think I heard a little fart at one point. Hey, man, that's, that's cool, uh, you know. What do you mean, cool, sir? Well, you know, it's, I'm, just, I'm just in it for uh, my fans, basically. I'm, you know, I kind of, you know, I'm just, I don't know. Fuck off, sir. Fuck off, sir. What? Your, pod, your podcast shit. Your podcast shit. What? What? You've, you've got no fans, sir. Oh, whoa. Uh, uh, I think I have got fans because, like, the, the people who are listening now, they're, they're going to be my fans because they're paying £5 uh, every month. Oh, is that so, sir? Is that so? Well, I reckon the people who listen now are fucking idiots. Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Now, you can make fun of me. Okay, but when you start attacking my fan, get the fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck up, fuck him fuck him fuck up, 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 fuck up,
He's on the ground, guys. He's on the ground. I, d- I, he, he could be dead. I could have killed him because of what he said about you guys. I would never let Tumblr and Tata away a doubt in my dance. Welcome to the fucking show. So that was a little sketch I came up with based on all the negative feedback I'd been given. I really appreciate all the criticisms I get, all the positive negative feedback I get. You know, it goes back into the podcast um, to make it better, I think, you know. If you disagree with something I say, if you don't think that's right, then, you know, I'd much rather you tell me so we can have this, like, reflective process. And it's great. It, re- it really builds upon this platform that I have uh, to speak to people and to get feedback on what I've said, you know, and I use this to very, very loosely uh, ed- educate people, you know. The, the Mau Mau uprising sh- should definitely be known about, you know. A lot of people don't know about it. And a few people have come back to me and said, well, that's so interesting. I actually had no idea about it. And I hope I've got all the facts straight about it. You know, I did a lot of research, a few days research, um, mainly just online research. You know, I didn't go to any libraries or anything. So if I made a mistake uh, on anything, then, yeah, you know, please come forward. Please let me know. Uh, It really goes back into the podcast and I can I can correct things. It's a bit difficult, actually, because, you know, this is a premium soda podcast. So the only people who are going to hear this, the people who have paid, who, who are really invested. I'll make a point of it in the, in the miscellaneous soda episode two podcast. Uh, a, lot has, a lot has been going on recently, and I actually got into a pretty heated situation, which I feel pretty gritty about recently. So let me formally introduce uh, what's going to be discussed in this podcast. Firstly, I'm going to go into the gritty situation I got involved with, where I... I I had this heated Skype meeting with nine other people and then afterwards I was like brimming on it and the next day I sent this like big WhatsApp message to the group and then just left, which is something unfortunately I've done a few times. I kind of noticed that I like if I'm working a shitty job or in like something that I I don't really agree with, I won't say anything and then I'll just be like, now fuck this and I'll leave some big message and then just leave. I've done that a few times. Uh, it's not the best, yeah, it's not the best, not the best. Wait, I should, I should stick around, you know, I should say something and then stick around and, and deal with the con- consequences because it's not like, you know, you can get fired or anything, but you can get ostracized. So that's probably why I leave is to, to kind of, so I don't, I don't have to face the animosity or I don't have to face the, you know, ostracize, ostracize, ost- ostriches. So yeah, I'll talk about the gritty situation. Then I've got uh, an article that the prison officer has written for me. It's it's an amazing article. It's all about the IPP system, something I had no idea about uh, that was still in effect in in a roundabout way. There's there's a lot of conflicting things in this article. Uh, It's not a shit article. I mean, there's a lot of conflicting things that it brings up. And to finish it off, I have an interview with this officer where we talk about kind of the abuses of power in the prison system, why it doesn't really work. uh, And you know, their personal take on everything, their personal experience of everything. It's really interesting. I'm I'm really happy that I had this interview. I'm not a professional journalist. I, I never claim to be a professional journalist, but I really enjoy kind of getting these interviews and, and sharing them with people. I feel like there's something kind of underground about podcasting. I feel like there's something people could tap into, you know, to share 
this kind of stuff. I actually thought a really good idea for a social media platform would be instead of text, so instead of uh, having like status updates with text and things like that, it could just all be like voice notes, like people could just send voice notes and it would just be this platform, like like Twitter or something, but instead of reading text, you could just hear people talk. Okay, so, so I had this really awkward Skype meeting uh, today with nine other people. And I think they they kind of have a, a few of them have like an issue with me. I, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure why they have like a bit of an issue, but I think it's because sometimes they're just you know, I kind of, uh, I don't want to say that I'm outspoken, but I think that is the issue. I think you know, maybe I'm not very sensitive around things sometimes, and I kind of just talk. And if that conversation leads to an inappropriate question or something, then so be it. You know, I'm kind of curious about stuff. I don't fucking know. So anyway, uh, we had this meeting. We had this meeting. And I, lo- I love the voice breaks. I think they make the podcast, really. So we had this meeting. And uh, yeah, we were talking about kind of like Black Lives Matter movement and how we're not going to publish this online publication we've been working on because it now is not the appropriate time to release artwork just think it's kind of bullshit, but whatever, whatever, you know, whatever. So we were we were talking about what we could be doing, and there was this idea. It's like a few people had mentioned. I don't think we should write anything about it, and that was kind of like in the air in the Skype meeting. I was like, well, why? Like, you know, what if? We, and I was like, well, what if we create an article to kind of educate people on you know different oppression, uh, you know, people have faced. And that was like, no, you know, you are not in a position to talk about oppression. Because basically, the, the idea was that, you know, I had no real experience to educate people. Uh, that was like the kind of takeaway point that I got. And I was like, OK, let me let me change the word educate to share information. And then one of the guys was like, what? So you, are you talking about doing like a Google Docs or do you want to, uh, you know, write your own article? And, like, I know that the second question was a loaded question. If I was like, I want to write my own article, it would just go back to the experience argument. So I was like, um, well, we, I was, I was really, I felt really heated. I was probably a lot more, you know, like, I, it, was, it felt proper, like, awkward, like, on the spot, you know. And I, I kind of, like, I said, well, you know, we can just make articles, like, cohesive. We can just share, like, information. And so, yeah, then I accidentally made the point of saying, about the Welsh knot, I posted this thing about a Welsh knot in the WhatsApp group, and the Welsh knot is this thing that children had to wear in Welsh schools to stop them from speaking Welsh, and the leader looked like <laughs> he was like perplexed. He was like, "Wait, you 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 want to talk about the Welsh knot, like you know?" In in, in and I was like, "Okay, well, no, not the Welsh knot. Maybe we can talk about um that that statue that fell in Bristol, Ed, Edward Colston." You know, uh, and we could like go through the hi- history of him and then lead up to the statue and have like pictures afterwards of like black lady, I think, like kneeling on where the statue was, and, like putting a fist up. And I was like, you know, maybe that would be interesting to do like a time frame. And the guy was like, what, you want to do like a memorial for the statue? That's <laughs> like, ah, oh. you know, I just kind of I think I just like I just dropped out at that point. I was like, oh, man, you know, fuck this. My, my choice of words by saying educate. It was just taken around the fucking street. I'm like, come on, man. Like, I'm just, you know, I, you know. I'm, uh. So when I first kind of got into the 
conversation. I, I, I wanted to talk about the overall situation. I wanted to have an open and even equal discussion and talk about kind of maybe both sides, you know, you know, what, what the hell is going on, kind of make some sense of it, come to like some understanding. But I knew like five minutes within the conversation that this was completely one-sided, you know, that there was, that we were kind of f- fragile, white, privileged people, you know, and that was the narrative that we were kind of all talking with. Um, and the guy, the guy in the group was like, you know, saying like, I can't believe how like ignorant I was to like everything that's happened and stuff. And like, you know, people were like, yeah, yeah, I completely understand. It's like, what are you, you people didn't fucking know about this. You didn't know about fucking oppression. What? what? Like what? You, you never realized that like, you know, subconscious racism existed in white people. Like were you were you subconsciously racist? I th- I think people who are subconsciously racist, you know, people who will meet, uh, you know, a, a person of a different color, whatever, they'll they'll just have this kind of, like, oh god, you know, hello, hello, nice to meet you, nice to meet you, hi, and it's so fucking obvious. If you don't have worms in your brain, it's so fucking obvious to someone, you know, who's a different race to you that you, you they find you awkward for whatever reason. And unfortunately, this, you know, this this is the way it is. And, you know, obviously we should do things to change that. We should educate people about this. You know, I don't think I'm some kind of fucking, you know, philosophy teacher. Ugh, I hate it. I hate it. I honestly hate it. I hate that they kind of pinned me in that box. It really fucking like I was really pissed off throughout the like meeting, but also just the fact that they seem to like center on on themselves so much in this meeting, like after after we had discussed that you know no we shouldn't educate people on oppression or whatever because we're not historians, there seemed to, there was just this like going through then they would just go through all of the examples of oppression that they heard about it and they were talking about it amongst themselves and the leader actually at one point actually said you know it's a good th- it's kind of a good thing that we're all white because we all get to educate each other and i was just thinking like what the fuck man <laughs> what the fuck is this actually after he said that like everyone kind of ripped him for a bit and then I, I, I kind of spoke up because I'd muted myself after the whole thing. I'd muted myself, but then I spoke up and I was like, see, this is the issue. This is the main issue. Uh, but nobody really laughed. <laughs> Man, I must seem like such a dickhead. But like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have mentioned the Welsh not first because it's not the same. Well, it was a really innocent suggestion, you know. I'm not equating Welsh oppression to, to black oppression. Um... I I felt like there was there was you know very little reason to try and understand me. Like all I wanted to do is, is share some things you know about the Colston statue, about the Malmai uprising, some things that you know could could tell like potato men that you know this is the reason why things are happening. You know this is the reason why you should you shouldn't be advocating against Black Lives Matter. You know because of these examples in history. You know it really depends on the quality of the article. I think. It depends on the quality of the article um, and how well-researched it is, really, surely. You know, it shouldn't matter that when, you know, that we're not, we're not black or, you know, man, it's so fucking weird. It really, really is weird that, like, I was so misunderstood. After the meeting, I went for, like, a long bike ride. I went for, like, a three-hour bike ride because I was just so, like, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. For myself, I was embarrassed for them. I was just like, it's just not a good situation to come out of. 
to have like such a kind of tense you know when I was like talking I could see people's like eyes being raised and like you know what the hell is this guy talking about because I, I'm guessing that they're all they're all lovely people okay they all seem very nice and I don't want to slate them too much um but I, th- I think they are kind of like you know these people who fancy themselves as like intellectuals that's what genuinely what I think the issue is. I think the issue is people who are institutionalized, who are so set in their ways and, you know, minds that they, they, they cannot break down whatever barriers there are, you know? You've got, you really have to look at the, like, psychology of people to, to understand these things. Oh, it's, it's, it's so easy to fall into, like, boxes. It's so easy to fall into boxes. After the whole Skype meeting... The next day, I was still brimming on it, and they were, like, sharing articles to the WhatsApp group, and, like, all the, you know, these, like, oh, I've watched this documentary on Netflix, and, you know, I'm so, I can't believe, like, I found this information out. I was like, man, like, so, so part of me is just kind kind of angry because of what happened in the Skype meeting, and the other part of me is, like, you're, you're literally doing that classic staple thing of, like, just being really woke with each other, you know, because this kind of movement has come about and and set this, you know, trend. Now you're all jumping on the kind of thing and being like, oh, you know, like, wow, did did you see this about oppression and stuff? And it's like, yeah, I get get that that's how information gets passed around, you know, it's trending, you know, it it is a very good thing. Uh, Then they put, and then I posted this picture of this uh, t-shirt that uh, this other podcast, Come Town, is selling and this t-shirt is just like has like a kind of funky like effect and it says like i'm not racist and then it has like another little funky effect underneath and it says like anymore so it's like i'm not racist anymore and i posted that and i was like i I bought this t-shirt you know as if i was adding to the kind of like woke uh literature so it was kind of like a joke based around like animosity and stuff um and then after that i was I was like, man, you know, I, I don't think I really want to be part of this group. You know, if I'm just going to be making kind of jokes that are like, uh, you know, like this, and it's just this awkward atmosphere. So I wrote this like big message and I was like, look, I think yesterday was like really unnecessary. So I'm just going to be leaving. Uh, I just pretty much said what I told you uh, over the podcast. And I was, I said, you know, it's it's funny that the guy said, you know, it's, it's a good thing they're all white and he received like a gentle ribbing Um but and also another person actually mentioned, oh, you know, maybe we should do some kind of uh, article about local <laughs> local institutional oppression. And everyone was like, oh, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. That sounds like a good idea. Now, I, I was just thinking the whole time, like, is, uh, is there something wrong with me? Is it because I have sh- like very, is it because I have very little hair? Like, do I look like a skinhead? You know, you know I, was, I was going through like all these, I was, I was perplexed. I was completely perplexed. So, yeah, that, that's the gritty situation. Uh, I hope you found it kind of interesting in some ways, because uh, I certainly did. Just try and understand people. You know, don't don't jump the gun on people. You know, question them. Be like, well, what what do you mean? Try not to lose your cool. That's something I I do. I just kind of lose my cool. Uh, I kind of spiral out a little bit, uh, which I need to work on. You know. Yeah, so I, I've had some kind of gritty feelings over the past few days and like I'm, I'm kind of unsure about them, you know, I don't know if I'm on the right side, but 
you know, I think we have to give ourselves space. We have to give ourselves a bit of space, a bit of time to digest these things. And, and you know, when, when we're going to make mistakes, we're going to come across poorly. And that's fine. You know, we're not always going to be the perfect fucking shining beacons of light that we we once thought that we were going to be. It's time to grow up. Um, but so afterwards, after I sent the message to the WhatsApp group, the guy did come forward and message me. And he was like, look, I think, you know, maybe you got some things wrong. And that kind of pissed me off. And also, I just didn't really want to do like damage control because he's like the kind of, I don't know, curator for for Glen Vivian or something. I'm not sure. Um, so I felt like it was just going to be some like damage control. And, you know, so I just said like, look, everything I said was pretty much verbatim. Like everything I said in the group is pretty much what happened from like my perspective. And then I said like, we obviously have like very different perspectives. And to to be honest, he was he was like really kind of apologetic, and he was like, "Look, you know, maybe I should have handled it. I can take complete responsibility." And I felt I felt pretty bad. I felt pretty guilty because I'd left him with like this big shitstorm in the WhatsApp group and just left. So I I, I kind of wished that I handled things a little differently uh, by leaving. Um, but yeah, you know, maybe I am just a bit outspoken sometimes, and that's something I need to try and like handle. My mum's the same. My mum's like really bad for it. She's like, if you if you ever look at my mum's Facebook, man, oh man, oh boy, oh boy, it's fucking. You know, I, I'm not even gonna go into. It. Maybe another show I'll go into that, but it's it's fucking it's pretty fucking nuts. So yeah, that that's the gritty situation. So next, so let's talk about the the prison system. And now I'm going to read an article by this prison officer who has so kindly written this for us uh, to show us. And it's a really it's a really informative article, I think. You know, if you haven't heard of the IPP, if you don't know what it is, then then listen very closely. So I'll, I'll begin reading this article now. The IPP means Imprisonment for Public Protection. It was introduced to the justice system in 2003 by the Labour Party and became a used practice by April 2005. The reason it was implemented was to protect the public from serious offenders and monitor those in custody upon release. The government estimated that the IPP would be applied to offenders who'd committed more violent or sexual crimes. However, people have been given an IPP for minor offences, such as stealing a mobile phone, for example. Some people have been given 11-month sentences, which are stretched out for over 10 years, thanks to the IPP. The sentencing was abolished by the Conservative Justice Secretary Ken Clark in 2012, calling it a stain on the criminal justice system. Offenders serving an IPP sentence are set with a minimum term, a tariff, which they have to serve in prison. Once the tariff is up, they have the opportunity to meet with the parole board who decide if release is an option. If the parole board decline the prisoner's release for whatever reason, that means another 18 months must be served before that offender can apply again for release. A very chilling cycle for many. In 2017, I entered the prison service. Three years later, I work with some of the most complex and challenging prisoners 
the system is dealing with. Segregated offenders spend 23 hours of each day inside, quote, their room, quote. One of the men I work with was handed an IPP sentence for making explicit threats of violence towards his partner. He never actually acted upon any of these threats, um, and this was 12 years ago. Ten years over tariff, he remains tangled in something very similar to a Kafka novel. The promise of release can be sought after if he completes a course set out by the parole board, a course he has moved to different prisons for several times. He has constantly been told that it's not available and he must wait due to a lack of resources and financial woes. He was given his instructions for the course five years ago. David Blunkett, who headed the campaign for the IPP sentence, has by his own admission stated it has not been effective enough in providing the necessary resources to ensure rehabilitation courses were available. I found myself seeing only too clearly the battle men and women face when given an outdated, denounced and lawfully unethical and incorrect sentence. Suicide and self-harm are too common in this shameful legal limbo. The state that created this dreadful reform should use their executive powers to set free those that are undeservedly trapped. So that's the article. And next, I have the interview with the prison officer, and we kind of have a conversation about uh, what's happening in the prison, uh, you know, the, the oppression in there, and, like, there's a lot of unethical things that happen, it sounds like. Um, but there's a lot of good things that happen also because of this prison officer, you know, they sound like a really good prison officer. Uh, so because obviously I want to keep everything confidential, I have uh, masked the the interview with, and I've, I've bleeped over a lot of, you know, names and, and kind of dates and places and stuff. So hopefully you can kind of make out what, what everyone's saying. Um, I've got a much deeper voice and he's got a much kind of, I don't know, much, what's the word I'm looking for? Much lighter voice, much lighter voice. Yeah. So I'm going to play that now. Uh, yeah, hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. So is there, is there coronavirus in the prison? So it's really what you know, there's not, there's, there's, oh. they, so, so we've got reverse careful and we've got isolation units. Um, there are, like, we've got people coming in and out of hospital and people who have to isolate. So basically, what they would, can I tell you about the um, thing they were going to do prison, in the prison? Uh, no, I don't think it did. So three weeks ago, we all got sat down as a group together to run the mental health ward and the segregation. You have to apply for the job, so it's like a sort of, if you don't know, you don't know. So anyway, all of us got sat down by that old governor, who is the head of the both units, um, dictates what we do, how we do it, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, and with a mental health psychiatrist, um, and they were going to turn, well, they might still do it, they, they were going to work in partnership with and turn the mental health ward into a um, death unit where they would have the authorization to administer morphine to the prisoners, and we'd have access to mobile phones, prison officers, that we can um, do end of life calls, and they are not taking the They were going to put for people who've got prisoners who get coronavirus. This is social triage. This is this is social triage, which they shouldn't do. When you think of triage, and you've been shot twice in the arms, you're, and you've been shot once, you're like more to live. So we're going to save you. We've only got one machine. This is social triage. You can't do that to people. So then I had this one guy come up to me and said, "Is this true about all this? Um, you know, we're not going to go to hospital if we get coronavirus." 
said, yeah, to be truly honest with you, it is true. And he said, I'm in for a fucking driving offence, and I could die, and they won't take me to hospital. I don't know the, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but that was all we were told. And we would be working, um, we'd have a different shift pattern, so we wouldn't be coming in when the rest of the staff were coming in. And we'd be working, we'd be working like 12 hour shifts, four days on, four days off. Fuck that, I said so, no straight away. When did you first uh, hear about it? Um, drips and drabs by other people saying, oh, if you've heard, if you've heard, you know, if you, as Sersno said to you, and then the, the, the picture widens and you, you hear more than I think someone just asked. He was like, well, guys, stop just, um, speculating about what, what could happen. I will sit down with you all together when I know more information than he did and told us what was going on. He said, there'll be more mental health support for you if you decide to do it. And every, every, do, you know what, every, do you know what I found so ignorant about all of them? Every single motherfucker put their hand up to do it. And I looked around the room and I thought, are you all belligerent twats? Are you all fucking sick? And there's a couple of them in the group who've had probably months off mental health issues when they've been having um, therapy and they want antidepressants. They all put their hand up and I just thought, you have no idea. Yeah. You haven't a clue. When someone's screaming and they want to speak to their wives and kids and you think you can do that, no, no, I really, yeah. It's been, a, it's been quite an eye yeah. How they, and how they've dealt with it, and how they how they are dealing with it. They, they all they all put their hand up to do it to be a member of this like bit. And they were, and they were picked. another thing they, which I found also equally disgusting. They in sort of like a jovial banterous sort of laddish culture behaviour. One of them said, "Can we get a, can we get different uniforms as death squads?" And I was just looking at them. And I was like, hey, "Shut up." Shut up! It's not funny. Let's all be the death squad. Yeah, let's all do that. Yeah, it's not great enough at the moment. Someone, so this guy, I met him when I first started. So I've probably known him for two years, just over two years now. He basically came to jail because he was in a medium security mental health unit. So you know, you don't get the choice whether you stay or go. They decide. Yeah. Um, and he managed to escape, got a hold of a replica hand, replica handgun, and um, had some hostage for four hours, but didn't actually do anything, and it was quite quite severe what happened. Anyway, he sent me a letter from, and he sent me a really beautiful letter saying how, like, on three occasions I saved his life, and, and last Christmas I worked Christmas Day, and they got trapped shit, so I, Snuck some chocolates in and I gave him more chocolates and like don't tell anybody. And yeah. he said there's like little things in life that people take for granted that I really am thankful for and I won't forget. And everyone they are some people are really fucking horrible to them. You know, think they're health and they can put their chest out. Some people some some people have lots of empathy in a kind. So did you write to him back? I'm not allowed to. You're not allowed to. Okay. No, I think Someone in the group complained that we were spitting, which is which happens. Well, I've seen it happen. I've also seen someone put a pill up his arsehole, push it back out and give it to a prisoner. I mean, this shit happens. This shit actually happens. So someone's complained, but we all sort of, we all sort of keep tight-lipped anyway. Currently, it's not very nice at the moment. So, what is your job role, just to go through the basic? Officer. Officer, yeah. So what are your uh, daily duties? So the first thing, the first call of the day will be mental 
out of Andover. They go through each individual prisoner and tell us what's happened, how he's been, um, yeah. he's been yeah. And then you um, tell them if there's been any change in their behaviour that you've seen, because you spend a lot more time with them, with the prisoners. Mm. Um, then you tend to have a, I don't know, sharing of information, anything that's going to be happening in the next few days, somebody if they're going to have a depot, or if they're getting sectioned, or if they're, be, if they're leaving, etc. And then your day begins, you feed them. The nurse comes around with all the medication. Um, you stand with them to make sure they don't. They do this thing called palm, palming it, where they can really easily um, hide it in their mouth or they spit it, have a cup of their own water bottle, or spit it into the water bottle and sell it. That's what you have to check. They're, they're, yeah, they're really, really, they're really good at that sort of stuff. How do you check? Um, it's inside their mouth. You just look inside. You just... Yeah, you just ask them, can you open your mouth? Yeah. Do you do that every time? No, some of them I don't. I think yeah. it's a bit... It's dehumane... It's dehumane... Um, it's inhumane, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's all from his mouth. Yeah. And some of them... Some of them... If, if they haven't done anything, you have to give them... You have to give them some of them some, you know, levels of respect mm. in class. And if they've never yeah. done anything, I can... Um, and then... You... Check myself, make sure they've not... Got this information. Mm-hmm. Um, get them cleaning. They all have their little jobs to do. Chat to them. Lots and lots and lots and lots of talking with them. Yeah. Um, got any paperwork they need to do corresponding to their early solicitors or their yeah. half or their family. In the mental health ward, sorry. Uh, is there like a rehabilitation, you know, or is that part of your job? So is that, how, you know, you speak to them and you create kind of case for them and say, you know, good behaviour today, and then that goes towards, you know, possibly a good, good parole meeting or, you know, something like this. No, they have, they have, um, they have groups, it's called groups, they get groups every day, so, okay. they, can, um, so they can, I don't know, I don't actually know what they do, I don't see it on that we're not allowed to, but they have, they sit with mental health, the girls from mental health, yeah. and they, I don't know, play Jenga or paint, play Scrabble, play chess, yeah. um, I'm 
engages him about his tattoos on his hands. Mm. And he is really, like, really, really admired, really troubled. Mm. Really, yeah, he's only 23. He's got his self-harm on his face severely. Um, he's really confused by prison. He's really confused by us. He finds, I think he finds how it is that's really daunting and dominating. So he, um, lashed out and he had loads of us and the restraint which went on for fucking ages and he just wouldn't wouldn't give up mm. not even in the sense of giving up he just wouldn't stop he was kicking out spitting biting um can you ever imagine yourself in that situation I try to I try not even not even I not even in, not yes I do yeah not in the sense of being a prisoner but in the sense of losing your mind yeah. that you have feel that I look at them and I think this is what you're satisfied with this is what your satisfaction is and they, they don't some of them don't even complain yeah. and you hand them shit, shitty bits of food on plastic plates and they eat with plastic knives and forks and there's conditions of squalor mm. and that's, this is what they're satisfied with and this is how they're, they're aware of the depths of their minds and how they live and I just find it Sometimes I find it hard to understand and to comprehend and to put myself in that. Yeah, because I, I, I stood in the sound and told someone to shut the door on me, and I, I literally have no, can't even fathom how people do it for years on end. Mm. And some of them have nothing, literally nothing. They walk around. So this kid yesterday, I offered to get him some shoes, and he looked at me like I had, like I was a producer, like I had, like I, was, I, was, I was a freak. Yeah. And I said, do you want the shoes, mate? Sure, the shoes are real battered. And he was like, um, yeah, okay. I said, well, what size are you? 11. And he just couldn't even work out his shoes were fucked. And he'd obviously kind of been walking around in society like that before we got arrested. Yeah. In prison clothes with... Just, it's just really sad. It's really, it's undescribable. Worse than, you can't, you can't put it into words. Mm. It's very powerful how it makes you feel. It's very powerful. Yeah. So what, what, do you, what do you do it for, do you think? I mean, lots of people say they get, they do their job for satisfaction. I don't think I do get satisfaction from my job. I don't, interest, intrigue, mm. stimulation. I think I do help them. Because even when people say to me, oh, why would you want to be a prison officer? Why would you want to be involved in the prison service? And sometimes I respond to them, I say, but you, you, you're having a go at me for being a prison officer, but if I wasn't a prison officer, I could easily be replaced by somebody who was a monster, who okay. was just a, um, a bully. Yeah. So do you, think, do you think when you started your reasons for doing it have changed? It's got yeah, I don't think they make a difference. You probably yeah. have, though. You probably have in little ways, like putting that car in your letter. You know, you've probably saved some people's souls and ways just you know you like there would be so many little changes that you would see months later from like something that you've done you know mm-hmm. but you know you, you can never take pride from it because then it kind of spoils the whole thing mm-hmm. so yeah so has your has your opinion on prisoners changed do you think yes yeah they're not monsters they're not um And I, I was explaining to him what, what it's actually like inside the prison. He's just like, I can't understand it. And 
supposed to be innocent. They didn't come off instantly, absolutely. Mm-hmm. They remanded prisoners who were waiting trial. Some of them wait two years. Mm-hmm. Two years, and then they get proved guilty and innocent. And they get nothing. They get absolutely nothing. They don't get compensation. Well, they're meant to get £100 a day for every time, for every day they're inside, but no, there's never been, that, that never happens. Yeah. It's one of those things somewhere where you, it's pushed so far behind, you never find it. But yeah, they're meant to get. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're just, they're just people, you know, really, people like people there. Um, so you think it's actually improved your image? Do you have many? How many are there? 
sort of thing. It obviously depends. Are there any like particulars that stand out to you for, for good or bad reasons?
than I am. I'm not I'm not calling the shots in any of this. You need to quickly decide what we're going to do. So, I ran down to his feet, so he got to his feet, and I was talking to him, going, there's no need for any of this. Let's just, like, really be calm. We can be, you can be back in your cell with a cup of tea in an hour, but just don't do anything. Part, partly for my safety and partly for his safety, I didn't want to get hurt by him. Because actually I am his uniform and he doesn't, he, they don't really care, they just see red. And so yeah, I don't want the officers to hurt him. Yeah. Wow. So we got into his feet and we're getting him, and he's shouting at us. And he's, he's restraining a little bit, but there's three of us and one of him, so he's not going to win. And we did all the right things, like put him in the blocks and we're escorting him to the SAG. And we get him in the SAG, and like, right, what are we going to do now? And I said, is this really necessary? They were like, right, we've got to do it now. So they, which said, right, we'll have to full search him and then we'll take him back to the And I was like, yeah, but make sure we take him back. He doesn't, he doesn't need to say anything. He hasn't done anything that bad. So, and my manager, who is three ranks above me, came down and was, he's from and he's a fucking prick. I can't, I cannot stand him. I literally can't stand him. And he's like, this. He's like, why, what's going on here then, lads? You fuck off. And I left. Did he say that? Yeah, he's just like that, and he's like, come, he's just, he's, oh, he's so horrible, he pulled, he pulled my blood, and he's like, um, he's a brute, 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 came up to the office and said, come down here and look at this. And I was walking behind him, I was just thinking to myself, what am I walking down to? What am I, what have you done? Okay. And we walked to the cell and they had um, cleaning shit off the wall, it wasn't his shirt. Right. And they must have really traumatised him because he looked fucking traumatised and he wasn't, he wasn't, he was not resisting at all, he was doing what they said. And they'd given him a J-Path and he was still on the wall and he was scrubbing really quickly and then behind him inside the nook of his neck and said, fast you punt. And it was just the most degrading thing I've ever seen in my life. Wow. It was fucking horrible. That's so bizarre. All, all, all really, really humiliated him and all stood around. He, and he probably knew, he probably knew in his, in his brain I want to bite all your fucking faces off oh, and yeah. you will do anything. You're just going to restrain me and I got, there's nothing I can do. I'm insane. That power, that absolute power is deadly. Yeah, and it, it also, like, undermines everything that you do as well. So, like, every, you know, cup of tea that you offer, every, you know, like, yeah, save, not, saving grace is just because they're going to think, well, fuck all of you then. Fuck all of uh-huh. you. And, and you would. And you would. If you're a child, yeah. like, let's like talk about infant, infancy when, where we all came from. If you're going to put a child in the care home and you're going to abuse that child and be nice to that child, that child is going to be so confused and so angry and bitter. Yeah. You can't, that's the same as adults. You can't push them down and pick them up and push them down again. Yeah, exactly. It does completely undermine everything you do. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any uh, prisoners that stick out? You know, are you fond of any... You, do you despise any you know, particular prisoners? Oh, there's, there's, there's a, no, I don't. There's a prisoner I've really grown fond, grown fond of. He's called, um, he's, he's really interesting, actually. 
a suicide attempt up three times. And I him and I chat openly and he said to an officer once that he finds me decently by making him feel safe. Oh. And he also put up to it anyway. He was telling me about he used to go to all these do you know what camp party is? Is it just a party you take with you? Yeah. That's it. But there are like things we there are art courses you can get a job. 
the morphine agreed mm-hmm. like so they've, they've changed one of the arms to like a an isolation unit and then they're gonna give morphine to you know people who are less likely to make it mm-hmm. how can they do that they must, this, this must be against like human rights I have no idea what that's happening yet. And they've turned the prisons and stuff, they've turned, they're going to, if coronavirus hits the prison like heavily, there's plans, they thought, refrigerators, they're going to turn the spin room into a morgue. And they thought, like, 200 biohazard body bags, and we'll have to transport them from where we were, where they've died, to the, to the, to the the, the mortuary. Do you have to yeah, but it's so limited. It's just the it's face so mask and the gloves and stuff. Not even face masks, sometimes. I saw officers putting blue roll around their face because there was no PPE for them. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's and awesome. then, um, you know, have you seen like the, the plastic bags or shitty Tesco bag aprons? I've also seen people um, wrapping those around their face because there's nothing for them. Again, when the hospitals have nothing, the prison service is beating people's eyes. Why is the prison service having it when the hospitals don't? Yeah, well, yeah. That's how, that is unfortunately how it works. When you, when you hear um, consultants or um, medical GPs who've got no PPE, and then you hear, oh yeah, but the prison service has got shit loads, people will be uprising, they'll be anarchy. They're tangled in such tightly woven nets, there's no way out of them. And when you're the only like saving grace for these people is a parole, but these paroles are so um, evocative and emotional. They're so. I mean, a saint would go mad. It would drive a saint crazy. Yes, they have the paroles, and yes, their behaviour dictates how long they stay. Yes, yes, you're right. This is what I hear from people. But and I, and I saw this to this guy the other day. He was like having a debate with me. If you threaten to kill your wife and you got. 13 years of your life taken off you, and every single 80, every, every time you've had your parole board, they demoralise the shit out of you, and the statements which keep you inside are officers' statements who might not like you and who lie, you can lie about your behaviour. You're not going to be well behaved, you're going to, you're going to revolt, you're going to fight back, because that's what people are like, and when you have someone like who's actually quite intellectual, and he knows his shit, he knows the law, He's going to battle with the staff because he's, he's finished justice and he's right. Mm. It's because that's not his attempt. Can I say about this? And they might beat him up. No, I don't think so. So, on one of the wings, again, I got called a journey because she was sticking up for him. Before I went to the Senate, I, well, I worked on which is a, it's basically an electronic wing. We control when they use the toilet. We control when their doors open. It's not, you can't use your key. Yeah. Have to like radio through to the control and they open it for you. Anyway, this other in this in the cell, his door wouldn't open. He was banging his door because he needed to poo. Right. There's no toilet in the cell. They share one toilet between thirty men when he's standing. And and no one no one believed him. So they thought that he was trying to incite a riot. Yeah. Well, so then. Because he was banging on the door because he needed to poo. Right. So anyway, 
they did what they call taming him out, which is they you put on, you get a shield, you get a helmet, you get knee protection, you basically, you drive him out of that battle. Yeah. So, I, I spoke to the guy who did this, and I was like, you're an idiot, you didn't deserve that. They went to the door, they gave him very plain, simple instructions, turn around, don't face us, put your hands on the window ledge, um, any turn from this behaviour will be deemed as aggression and we will strain you. Yeah. And he listened to every word. He, this, is, this is the officer's admitted to me with this anyway. Yeah. He, put his, he put his hands on the window ledge, open palm, he didn't face them, he didn't move, he had his legs, feet, shoulder width bit apart. So they opened the door and rammed him, smashed him with a shield. It's like a, you know when you watch police riots and they have those shields, they're exactly the same. So they ran in from behind him, he didn't even see what was coming, and he smashed his face on the window. And he fucked his face up, and I saw him after he did it, because he, he, brought, he brought him to the second we take them. Yeah. And I was like, what have they done to you? And he was like, oh, it's another day, day in here, isn't it? And they fucked him so bad, he had to have a CT scan, a brain scan. Jesus. And he didn't, and you know, you know what the funniest thing is? What? So the next day, I spoke to this guy, and he was laughing, joking, going, well, guess what? When protesting about his cell door being broken, they put a prisoner in that cell after, and he had the same problem, because the door was broken. He did nothing wrong, he protested correctly, the door was broken, he couldn't go to the toilet. So fucked up, and then to laugh about it, like, oh, how he deserved it anyway. No, he didn't, because he didn't do anything. So can you Did complain? Nothing. Can you put this into a complaint, or would you... I'd probably get sacked. I'd literally get sacked. You, so you'd fear for your job if you tried to complain about it? Or even if, I, even if I didn't sack, even if they didn't sack me, I would be ostracised by everybody. Yeah, has that happened before? Yeah. So who, who does have the power to, like, change? I mean, would you say it's just politicians? Would you say it's the... The politicians? Yeah, would you say it's the manager of the prison? Would you say it's the... No, there's puppets. There's puppets. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a bigger puppeteer up there somewhere. 